with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is February 27, 2013, and it is a Wednesday. And I've got a great interview for you today. I have Jim Navarro today from uh, Makerspace. It's going to talk about what Makerspaces have to offer. If you've never heard of Makerspace before, you're going to love today's show. If you have heard of it, you're going to love today's show. I had one person on on this before. We're going to take a little bit different look at Makerspaces today. We're going to talk about what they have to offer, but we're going to also talk about if you want one and there isn't one, how to establish one in your community uh, and do so either for-profit or not-for-profit. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day, number one today, Ready-Made Resources. You know, there's not much more you can uh, ask a company to do than let the name of their company be an explanation of what they are and what they do, and then have them consistently do it every time over and over again. That's what Ready-Made Resources does. All the resources you need, ready-made, ready to go, point-click buy, shipped right to your house, and I mean all the resources, ready-made and ready to go. I'm talking tactical, I'm talking practical, I'm talking firearms, I'm talking gardening, I'm talking long-term food storage. I'm saying if you can think of it and it pertains to prepping, you're probably going to find it at Ready-Made Resources. Long-time supporter of the show, been with us almost since the very beginning. Check them out today, ReadyMadeResources.com. Next up today, Sawtooth Tactical, veteran-owned, veteran-operated in the wilderness of the Sawtooth Mountains. That's where the Sawtooth comes from. And they have all the stuff you need to live your tactical lifestyle. Check them out today, Magpul Max, uh, Magazines, Maxpedition Bags, uh, the awesome, the manly titanium spork, you name it, they have it. Check them out today at sawtac.com. I uh, also remind you that both Sawtooth Tactical and Ready-Made Resources do offer uh, discount incentive programs to members of the Support Brigade. So if you're going to do business with either one of them and you're already a member of the Member Support Brigade, make sure you go to the Benefits page of your MSB and uh, make sure you use the procedures for both of them to get your discounts. I want you guys to get the discounts uh, that you've paid for access to. Um, last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. And you help support the show at about a whopping 18.3 cents an episode. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, and prior service. Hey, you know what? Before you sign up, not after, before you sign up, if you email me with service discount in the subject line and tell me who you are and what you're doing or tell me a little bit about your past of your prior service and any of those walks of life, I'll send you a special discount code to thank you for your service. Uh, before I bring Jim on, I do have an announcement. Um, my idea of walking to liberty uh, has gone from idea to uh, action almost overnight. Um, yesterday I took the time, I set up a new site, I set up a new forum on that site, and I made the first two guiding posts of walking to liberty, or walking to freedom, I'm sorry, walking to freedom. And uh, for those that didn't listen to yesterday's show, I don't want to rehash the whole idea, so you may want to listen to the first part of today's sh- uh, yesterday's show where I covered that and, um, and get an idea for it. But the, the general synopsis is this. Uh, in my work with the Free State Project, I have found many people that love what the Free State Project in New Hampshire is doing, 
And I have found many people that love that, but they just simply go, you know what, New Hampshire just doesn't work for me. And um, I understand because New Hampshire doesn't work for me. And if I were in California, um, New Hampshire looks a whole heck of a lot better, but it may actually be that Arizona or Florida or Texas is really more in keeping with what I'm looking for. I mean, I don't really know. And the next guy next to me in California may be like New Hampshire's everything I ever wanted. I want to ski. I want four seasons. I want colored leaves. And, uh, you know, the guy next to me might be like, if I don't have a beach, it doesn't work. So maybe it's South Texas or South, South Florida or Gulf Coast Florida or even Alabama. Maybe that's, I mean, and then different people have different viewpoints too on what is liberty. Um, I got a lot of emails from people after yesterday that said, you know, we really needed to define liberty before we picked the top five states for people to move to. I'm like, I don't think you got it. I don't want to pick the five states for people to move to. I only want to pick the five to ten crappiest states people need to get the hell out of. The disapproval list. And I'm thinking more and more the disapproval list is going to be like five or six long. Uh, and that's going to be it. And then the rest of the states get to compete for the people that want to leave. Well, if you go to uh, walkingtoliberty.com slash forum, or if you just go to walkingtoliberty.com, you'll see a weird-looking little page. and Click on forum. You'll get there. If you go in establishment and organization, you will see two posts that you should take a look at and read. Uh, number one, establishing the naughty list. It's a list of every single state, every single state. And you can vote for up to ten of them. You can vote for two or three. You can vote for four. You can vote for six. You can vote for as many or as few as you like. You just can't vote for more than ten. We're going to run this poll for 90 days. That will establish the naughty list. This is what I'm calling disapproval voting. Approval voting is where you vote for every candidate on the ballot that you approve of and you give them a score like, you know, candidate A is your first choice, candidate B is your second choice, candidate C is your third choice. And if candidate B actually gets more votes than, than, than A or C, then all of your votes go over and apply to B because you're helping to break the tie, basically, and you get more than one vote. Disapproval voting, okay, that was, I was approval voting. This is disapproval voting. This is basically who sucks the worst. And this is a democratic process. And this is the fairest way I know to do it. But you know what's happening? Guess who the leaders are already? California, Illinois, Massachusetts, and New York. I mean, that those are the big top leaders. Now, there's not that many people having voted yet, um, but it doesn't really surprise me, and I doubt it will surprise you as well. So what I'd like everybody to do uh, that wants to participate in this, and remember, this is not just for people leaving. This is for people saying, hey, come here. Come to where I'm at. Um, go by and go into the uh, Establishment and Organization Board and, and, and click on Establishing the Naughty List. Read the post that I made before you vote, and then go ahead and vote. Contribute to the conversation if you want to. You'll have to register for this forum separately. It's not part of the TSP forum. I actually don't want the Survival Podcast Anything more than a supporter of this forum. This is an independent project that's not designed to alienate anybody. It's designed to be welcoming. Then I want you to, after you voted on the naughty list, there's a, full, a thread right underneath that says the vision and mission of walking to freedom. Uh, and I want you to read my article there, and I think it'll explain everything I just explained even a little bit better. I do want to kind of explain the long-term vision because I think some people are not getting what walking to freedom is really all about yet. This is what I envision happening. There will be a list of boards, about five or six or seven of them. Of you know, when we get the the, the poll done, there's going to be this group that like 
a lot of people say, well, this state and that state sucks, but there's going to be like this overwhelming majority of the bottom crap. Okay, and when we see the bottom crap, I think everybody's going to be able to go, uh huh. Like I want this guy on the list too, but yeah, I, no, we all agree, right? So this disapproval voting gets done. Those states get a board. They get the board you don't want to have. They get a board on the forum that's basically for citizens leaving to leave a goodbye letter to their government and to media establishments in their states. I would like coordinators from those states to step up as we find them that want to help out that would say, here's all the people you should mail your letter to. Here's how you find your local officials. Here's the media outlets that will be most receptive in the state to what you're doing. And I want those letters posted in the forum, but I also want them sent off to the capital. I don't know how much good that'll do off to your local town, whatever. I want it sent everywhere. I don't know how much good that'll do, but I think as they accumulate in the forum, it'll start to make a point. Somebody brought up an excellent suggestion, though. It will be for two types of letters in the, the naughty list forums. Um, it will be also citizens who are retiring or citizens who are making a move that are not moving from one of the other naughty states uh, for letters to those states that, that are basically will not consider you letters. And I think a lot of people will maybe send one to all of the naughty states. So we have a gentleman, for instance, that sent this to me that says, I was, you know, considering New York, and after the recent events, there's no way I'm going there. And he's looking at a completely different place now. And he was saying, you're not going to get this, 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 and this. I'm not bringing my big old fat 401k with me to retire on. I'm not spending my money on your state. I will not consider you as a retire. So we'll not consider or I'm leaving, and here's why. Then, every other state not on the naughty list. I'm hoping that we end up with a consensus on five or six. So it's, you know, 44, 45 other states. They all get a positive board, let's say. And I want the people in this community to be self-policing, and here's part of the policing. It will not be acceptable for someone from Florida to go into the Georgia board and tell everybody there why Florida is better than Georgia. Absolutely not acceptable. The, the Florida board will be for discussing Florida. The Georgia board will be for discussing Georgia. And all of the states will have a board like this in there. People that are coordinators for the board will have to, the ability to create a few sticky topics, what we have to offer, how you find a job, our biggest cities, what our laws are like, what our tax rates, why you should consider us. And then people can come into there and go, you know, I've been considering moving to Florida. These are my concerns. And let Floridians tell that person what it's like. I would like to see relationships form the way they have on the TSP form where people, after they get comfortable with each other, say, you know what, why don't you come down here and we'll show you around. I want people making this move to check out more than one state. I want them to find the state that's most in keeping with what they're doing and go there. And I want a person who goes, I am fed up with California. I want them to look at Texas, but if they look at Texas and go, that's not really what I want, I want them to find what they want. I don't want them here. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a very positive way. Why would I want you to do something that's not the best choice for you? If you come to my state and it's not the best choice for you, it's not the best choice for my state either. And I think that if we do this, you know, I don't know, maybe some of the people in you know, New Hampshire are going to be pissed at me for starting this movement. But, man, I'm telling you, I think I will bring tons of people to New Hampshire with this movement. It's a great choice. It's just not a great choice for everybody. Um, if you're in Illinois, it might be much more conceivable for you to head south. Okay? It really might. It, it depends on what you want in your life, the type of citizenry you want. And here's the big thing. This is something I've always said when I've had discussions with people about liberty, on the air and off. 
Liberty cannot be defined except by the individual using it. In other words, what's important to you in regards to liberty may be entirely different than what's important to me. There are governments who so abuse the liberty of their citizens and are so fiscally unresponsible with their citizens' money that everybody can look at it together that has any inkling of what freedom is and go, that's as bad as it gets. That's the worst of the worst. I think there'll be no problem using disapproval voting to get the usual suspects at the bottom of the list. But it's completely, we'll see what happens. It's completely democratic. But what's liberty to you and what's liberty to me might be different. None of the states are perfect. None of them. Not a single state is perfect. All of them have things I would personally want to change, and all of them have things that you would personally want to change. A republic doesn't guarantee you that you get a state that 100% matches your ideology. But you know what? When you marry someone, you don't get a person that 100% matches your ideology, do you? Marriage is a compromise. Two people find the best match that they can in each other, and they believe that it's worth being together, and they make certain compromises. But if you have something that is critically important to you, and you meet someone who you kind of get along with, um, and you think she's pretty, and, and, and she comes from you know maybe a similar background, you got a lot to talk about, but she's 100% opposed to not just something that you, you believe, but something that's core to your being, right? If you are core of a religious belief and the person on the other end just like totally not just doesn't agree with you but like thinks like anybody that believes that's just stupid all right that's not a good match right and i'm i'm not coming from any religious angle that's just a thing that's easy to understand so when we look at the states we have to look at it almost like a marriage you're deciding you're going to raise your family there you're going to put down roots there you're going to invest in that state let me give you a word that states need to learn privilege you know the states are quick to tell us that something like our um our ability to drive on the public streets within that state is a privilege that's why they issue us a license from it uh for it uh and they have certain conditions upon that okay fine let me tell you this uh, to all the states in the union including my own The existence of your citizens funding your commerce, paying your taxes, doing the work in your state is a privilege to you. The state of Texas is privileged to have me and other people like me that are productive here. It is not a right. They don't have a right to have me here. If they did, they could put up a wall and say, I can't leave. Right? They don't have a right to my tax dollars. They don't have a right to my productivity. They don't have a right to my community interaction. They have it at the, at my at my discretion and therefore it is their privilege. It is time for this nation to start informing states that that's how it works and that we do have the freedom of that movement. That's why I want to target five at the bottom. And hey, if your state doesn't get at the bottom and you don't like your state, you can use this resource too. I mean, if if you live in I don't know, uh Indiana. I have no idea where Indiana is on the freedom list. I'm not saying nothing good or bad about Indiana. But if you live in Indiana and you're like, you know what? I don't like this and I don't like this and I don't like this. And uh, I feel abused by my state. I'm going to see what else is out there. Go look. Go find other states. You know, I, I see this being a great resource. The big thing is to focus on community. I think that if you're going to move to another state, you should go to that state and you should meet people in that state. And if you get there and you go, this is not the type of people that I really want to be with, find another home. If you go to four or five, 
and you still prefer where you're at to whatever you looked at, stay where you're at. Fight for it there. Somebody did ask me, though, Jack, don't you think we should... It's terrible to take all the good people out of these states and leave all the bad people. Don't, don't you think some of the good people should be behind enemy lines? I hated that question. And I'll tell you why. I never used the term good people and bad people when I describe this. And I won't. I don't want to bring the good people out of New York and leave the bad people behind. That's not my goal. My goal is to bring the people in New York who feel the state has moved in a way that is no longer conducive with their values as it relates to liberty, who feel that the state of Texas is doing a better job to come to my state. There is no enemy lines here. My feeling is that the bottom tier of states have put themselves on a path toward insolvency and that every hardworking, productive citizen that remains there enables them to further and advance their police states and further advance their agenda and stave off that insolvency. The insolvency is the corrective action. The states of New York, California, etc. will realize their folly only when they can no longer sustain their oppression. I want to remove the support structure that allows these states to continue to oppress the very people that fund them. Our founders knew exactly what they were doing when they established the republic, precisely what they were doing. Jefferson stated that the, the tree of liberty must at frequent times be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. As much as I love Jefferson, fortunately many of our other founders were far more level-headed. They gave you multiple ways to revolt without shedding blood. They gave you the ballot box. They gave you your state legislatures that had the power to stand up to the federal government. They gave you the Ninth and the Tenth Amendments. Specifically, they gave you the, the Tenth Amendment because they knew that your federal government was too big to be stood up to by the individual, and that's when there were only 13 states. And they gave you freedom of movement. They gave the states a significant more amount of power than they gave to the federal government. That's the way the plan was. Because they knew in the end that it was better to conduct a revolution by walking away than firing a musket or a rifle. This is the last act of rebellion of an oppressed people before it gets ugly. It really is. They do not listen to your letters. They do not listen to your phone calls, do they? I'm specifically talking about the people that live in these states that have gone so far away from liberty, not left or right, so far from liberty that everybody, even with totally different political ideologies, tends to go, yep, they're on the list. They don't listen to you, do they? And at the federal level, they don't listen to you, do they? Yeah, I'm going to tell you about that next week. Why they don't listen to you. Maybe I'll do it this week. I don't know. It'll blow you away when you find out how Congress really works. But anyway, they don't listen to you. Most of us don't want to leave America. Do you really want to leave America? Where's better? Where is there more freedom than America? There's actually a few countries on a list of the, in certain ways that you look at them, but do you really want to leave this nation? Or do you still believe in the, 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 the ideal of the republic? So you don't want to leave the nation... So what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to sit in New York while they turn you into a felon? A felon. You could have in a gun safe, sitting right now, magazines 
with greater than seven round capacity that you've owned for 20 years. You've been given a deadline. If you don't get rid of them by that deadline, you become what's considered a violent felon by your state for taking no action whatsoever except continuing to do what you've always done as a law-abiding citizen up till now. Really? Is that where you want to live? Do you want to live in a state that thinks they can tax 10% or more of your income and that's okay? Do you want to live in a state where the teachers cannot live in the school districts they teach in, even though they're paid better than many executives? I know, teachers are broke, they don't make any money. Not in New York City, okay? You'd be blown away at some of the salaries of New York City teachers, but they still can't afford 25 grand in property taxes on a three-bedroom freaking house now, can they? How long should this last? And the whole concept of what if all the good people left these, these, these five or six states? What if they all left? First of all, I don't think they'll all leave. I don't think they'll all leave. I, and again, I don't even think the ones that stay, but what if all the people that you, that you specifically wanted to, all the people that felt oppressed by the state of New York left? Wouldn't that be horrible? Really? Would it? What would happen? What would happen? The state of New York would fall on its flat ass. And it would say, you know what? Huh. If we want to re remain competitive in the republic, we're going to have to change some things. Or they would figure out how to make it work. And they'd have all the people that they wanted. Well, then that'll swing the vote and they'll have more control. No, it won't. Because you know what? Those states are going to send Democrats. To, and I, I don't believe in a dichotomy anyway. But let's, let's go there for a second. Those states are going to send Democrats to the Senate no matter what. You're outvoted there, right? Those of you that feel oppressed on the right are outvoted. They're going to send Democrats to the Senate. Again, I'm not saying Democrat-Republican here either. I'm being nonpartisan. I'm meeting the objection where the objection is taking place. So it doesn't do anything to change the Senate. So what can it do is change the House and the Electoral College on how we elect the president. But every person that leaves New York and goes to Georgia or Texas or Utah or Nevada or, I don't know, Alaska, every person that goes there increases the population of that state. And then, you know, at the same time, it's like two votes in one. It decreases the population of the other state. You take your family with you, and you really start to add up. Well, sooner or later, you end up with another congressional district in Georgia or Texas or Florida, and New York loses. And this is already happening. So you're actually swinging the balance of power by leaving Because I believe that the majority of the people that leave these states will not be the salt-of-the-earth people in rural communities. I wish they would come, but I, I think just because there's more people that live in the suburban, urban areas, there's a larger population there, that's where most people that leave will come from. And they'll move to other similar areas, but they'll move for the right reasons to the place that most matches what they're doing, which will actually help swing the converse in these other states, because we have them in Dallas. We have districts in Dallas that are big government districts. I'm not going to use Democrat or Republican anymore, because it doesn't matter what, what letter goes behind it. Big government districts. We have them in Austin. We have them in Houston. Right? They exist there. So let's go ahead and let them have New York City. Let them have Chicago. Let them have Los Angeles. They have it anyway. We can take back Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, Atlanta, maybe. Sorry, Georgia. I'm just saying maybe, right? Okay. We can take those, we can take those areas back. Maybe not the whole component of them, but the, the fringe districts that swing one way or another. 
That's where most of these people are going to move to. Most people are going to want to have a regular job and live in a regular neighborhood. They're not going to be preppers, right? Or they're going to be suburban, urban preppers. This is not a prepper movement. This is not a survival movement. Well, it is, but not in the way people would think about it. It's about the survival of, of the citizenry and the survival of the republic. I'm not doing this to damage the republic. The republic has damaged itself. I'm doing this to try to save the republic or the remnants thereof. I'm doing this to demonstrate the brilliance of a republic. Am I doing this to hurt Illinois? Am I doing this to hurt California? Am I doing this to hurt New York? No. Illinois, California, New York, you've harmed yourself. You've harmed yourself for decades. It's just my intention through this project to shine a blinding light on it and say to the citizens that live in your states, you do have a choice. There are people elsewhere that share your values. There are places where, yeah, no place is perfect, but you have more freedom to be who you really are. And it's easier to rent a U-Haul and find new friends than to sit with a boot on your neck because that, that's what you think is your only option. So, walkingtofreedom.com slash forum. Read the mission statements. Please participate on the naughty list. Please tell your friends and neighbors about this project. Don't even mention the Survival Podcast If you go there, you'll see nothing about the Survival Podcast, maybe other than my screen name would allude to that. This is its own individual project that I'm supporting with TSP, not a project that supports TSP the other way around. This is my gift to my fellow citizens of this republic. I want you to work together to reestablish liberty and to make the states 50 laboratories of liberty. And since we can't do that right now, let's try for at least 30 or 40. I think we can do better than what we have. That's what this is all about. And I would appreciate your support in doing so. All right, with that knocked out, let's go ahead and bring Jim Navarro on today. Again, Jim is the uh, a founder and director uh, on the board at the Bridgewire Makerspace in Reno Sparks, Nevada. He's here to talk to us about makerspaces, uh, what they are, what they do, how you can start one yourself, and how they're changing the face of small business and medium-sized business in America. And with that, hey, Jim, man, welcome to the Survival podcast. Thanks a lot for having me. Hey, um, I, I, you know, I'm glad to have you on because honestly, we've done one other show about like maker spaces, maker workshops, things like that. It was one of the hottest shows we've ever did. It really got people jazzed up. Uh, but for those that didn't hear that and maybe you've never heard of maker space, hacker space, stuff like that, community workshops, could you just kind of give people the mile high view starting out? What the heck is this? Well, basically, it's just a place uh, with resources to get things done. Uh, example, I'll, I'll tell you about my, uh, the place that I belong to, which is Bridgewire here in northern Nevada. We have a 5,000-square-foot workshop. We have a pretty complete workshop uh, that's comprised of welding, metal shop that's lathes, mills, things of that nature, uh, wood shop, that's not really my thing, but there's a whole bunch of those things there. We have a full electronics lab. We have a craft room with sewing machines and whatever the craft people do. And we have just, we have a full library of tooling and equipment. These are utilized by the uh, membership for things such as doing personal projects, um, entrepreneurs who are really pushing to get prototypes up. 
we also have a 3D printer, laser engraver, things of that nature. They're, they're pretty expensive tooling, but what it is is it's utilized by people to, to make things. And we're really kind of part of the maker movement combined with the entrepreneurs out there. Very cool. And I mean, my understanding of the basic way that it works with all this equipment is it's kind of like a gym membership. Like if I pay my, my monthly membership when I come down to your workshop, all of the equipment is free to use, mostly on a first-come, first-served basis. Yeah, there are some things with consumables that like uh, we have a, you know, a box next to it. And it's kind of run, run really heavily in the honor system. Okay. Example, uh, the laser uh, laser cutter, laser engraver. Uh, the tube on it, it diminishes. You know, you can only use it X amount of hours, and we have a box next to it, and you drop your couple of dollars there, and you, if you use it, you pay. Sure. Uh, the other things like the tool library, you want to use the Milwaukee Sawzall, you know, have at it. Your membership gets you in the door. The whole idea of these places is really to have a place that you can – Get things done. That's really it. And then the best part about it is not so much the tooling, the equipment, but the fellow members. That's the real significant difference. Well, that's cool because my next question was kind of why do, do it this way? I mean, a lot of people would say, well, I have a, a full wood shop and a lathe and everything in my garage. I don't need this maker thing, whatever it is. So why, why take this approach? Well, everyone who says they have all that is lying to themselves. They've been working on a project and not gotten stuck because I have been there many times myself. I'm a metal guy. I'm, uh, you know, I can work in fabrication, things of that nature. And I've been three quarters through a project and I can't figure out how the hell to finish it. And we have a, there's a social component to this. Every Thursday night, we get together. And it's, it's not mandatory, but you get together, we show off the space to potential members, and we th these nights usually in, devolve into, hey, I have a problem with this. What can I do? And then when you have a varied group of people like this, you'll be able to all of a sudden have solutions develop in front of your eyes from a simple conversation served over a beer. That's, that's really awesome. Um... How do people get started? I mean, where do you start with all this? Well, I'll tell you. Okay, I don't know how everybody does it, but I'll tell you how uh, Bridgewire evolved. Uh, we, there was two significant groups of people that came together. We, there was a group of me and a bunch of my gun friends. Uh, we made, built a lot of firearms, and they were, a lot of these guys were also involved in UAVs. And they, they're basically all of us are projects for outgrowing our garages and our wives' tolerances. Uh, the fact that, like, you know, hey, babe, why is there metal shavings on the floor as opposed to, like, I can't shoehorn a hydraulic press next to the Camry in the garage? And that group, and then another group of slightly um, artistic, being in northern Nevada, we're the home for what's called Burning Man. It's a big party that happens in, in the Black Rock Desert every year. And there's a lot of artists who, you know, weld installations and various other artsy things like that. That's not my thing. Uh, the two groups kind of came together uh, via hackerspaces.org, which is a great resource if you want to find one of these places in your area. 
And we came together and we said, hey, let's combine our efforts. We all want to do this. And within four to five months, we, uh, we, we were looking for space. That's awesome. So, I mean, as you're, as you're getting something like this set up, I mean, I've heard that these are done as a for-profit and a not-for-profit. And I'm not talking about kind of – I want to talk about the entrepreneurial spirit of the entire movement. I'm not really talking about that side of things, the user's mm-hmm. thing. I'm talking about the, the owner-operator side of things that, that actually you know funds and controls and takes membership fees for the makerspace. Can you kind of speak to the, the, the pluses and minuses of both ways of doing things there? Well, okay. There's okay. There, there's essentially three types of places like this. Uh, there's the for-profit like tech shop, which a lot of people we have. A, we're in Reno, Nevada, so we're located fairly close to the Bay Area. We got a lot of transplants from the Bay Area, and tech shop is very prominent there. And that is essentially pay-to-play. You pay to take classes. You pay to use equipment, no matter what, on top of the membership. If you're a diehard person who really knows what you're doing, that is a great model to work with. However, we didn't really have that. We had a lot of experimenters, a lot of um, just people who were tinkering with stuff. And it, that didn't really kind of we, – we, we kicked that idea around, and it just didn't – it wasn't copacetic with our goals. So there's the, there's the pay-to-play places like Tech Shop, which are awesome. It's, it's amazing what they can do. Then there's co-working places where we have, say, you know, 25 members. You have a boardroom. You have a small shop to where you can actually run established businesses or even some of the startups. And then you have, like, our space, Bridgewater, which is a nonprofit, completely open, and honestly, there's a lot of liberty and a lot of freedom there. You're not really bound by anything. Essentially, it's a private club that you can utilize the space, your efforts, your time, and your money without the, um, what's a good way to put this? Very massive good. amount of, uh, of government paperwork to keep track of it. Okay. And uh, so how do you guys operate? What do you do? We're a pure nonprofit. Uh, for example, say, say Jack Spearco walks up to Bridgewire on a Thursday night and says, I want to join. You fill an application, which is basically who you are, uh, what your interests are, things of that nature. And we use this more as a networking tool than anything else. You pay your incredibly high $50 a month, and you um, get your key card to the place, and you're given 24-7 access to the, to the property as it is. That's really it. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, there's, there's a couple caveats. Sure. The people who walk in there who say, well, you need to teach me this. We don't work that way. We do have <laughs> this nice – no, it's the whole thing. Everything, everybody exists there and works in there to fulfill the place and their own you know, personal goals and at the same time bring in a sense of community. However, we've had this problem a few times where you, know, you have the honestly jerk person who's like, okay, I want to learn how to weld. Damn it, you teach me. Like, well, why don't you – Talk to the people who say that that are really organized with welding. You know, reach out. You know, talk to them. See if you can get a class going, or you know, see if you can just appeal to their their better sides. And most people will go out of their way to really help somebody else out. However, you know how it is. You have jerks in every group, and yeah. those people don't last long. 
the people who are interested in truly learning, community, things of that nature, God, they, they get so much done because the, it's not just the tools. Like, I, like you know, I hate to keep repeating this meme that I say, but it's, it's not. It's the people that you're surrounded by. You reach out. I mean, seriously, you never know how much goodwill a six-pack of beer will do. <laughs> well, and I think that, you know, showing up any – if you showed up to a class I was teaching – Right, as a paying student, and say, "Teach me how to do this now." Like, like if, you, if you came across that way, I think I'd be like, "Here's your tuition refunded." Right, and yeah, we actually had to do that on the way people. out. I mean, I guess you deal with people like that in any situation. You would you would think that a, a person that wants to learn would have some level of civility uh, with the person they wanted to learn from. Uh, certainly, in a thing like this, because you're paying for access to equipment and to the location. The community aspect, I would say it's a very libertarian thing. I'm under no obligation to teach you, but I probably might want to if, if you give me the opportunity to do so with some courtesy. Yes, yes, that, that's really it. An example uh, hereof is the fact that we don't even restrict membership only for our classes. We embrace the community as a whole. Uh, I got a real quick list of some of the classes that just off the top of my head that um, we've had. Uh, welding. CNC design, circuit board design, Arduino, ham radio, solar cookers, and stills. Shh, don't tell anybody about that part. <laughs> Laser cutters and engravers, uh, stage makeup and casting of props, how to build a UAV drone, the AK building class, which we had the district attorney show up to, to build his own AK, AR building classes, simple progressive, um, simple reloading, single stage, progressive reloading, and basic electronics. That's just off the top of my head, the classes that are open to everybody. And the majority of those, with the exception of the Arduinos, the cost was less than $15. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's absolutely awesome. So um, how do you manage this, though? Because it sounds great, but, like, I imagine you get something along the kin, uh, kin to uh, maybe creative madness. You get this many people that are that creative in the same place together at the same time. How do you how do you kind of keep a, a management control over that type of a group? Well, we have a okay. There's there's two answers to that question. We have a very simple um, organizational body that's required by law. For example, I'm the director of the board. Then we have a president treasurer, secretary, and a couple of board members. Those are the ones who handle all the administrative stuff. I just had to sign off on taxes, you know, which is you know, death and taxes, you know, things that are required. And we handle the insurance, the pain of the bills, and all the other stuff like that. However, what we do is we have a meeting um, twice a month, and everyone's – actually, excuse me, no, we just moved it to once a month. Um, it's the second. It's the first Tuesday of the month, and we sit around and we hash out all of our problems. Like, hey, I really want to start a project. Can I take up ten square feet of the of the space? And the it's open. It's an open forum where everyone gets to decide. And if you don't show up to the meeting, you don't have a say. There, there's a there's a saying in this environment called uh, we operate off of the concept of the duocracy. Those that do are right, because you have two types of people in the world. You have people who talk about things, then you have people who do shit. Okay. That's it. And those that do are right. 
This kind of goes back to the genesis of the the hackerspace makerspace movement, which I can go into later at another time. But we are the most active members who are actually doing things, not just talking, but actually doing things, are the ones who make the decisions. It's very, very, almost, I hate to say anarchistic, but it really does work very well. An example is a, uh, a member of ours found a, uh, a company who was getting rid of a CNC, um, what is it, a, it, it, it's a giant table, I believe it's like 10 by 15, um, it's a plasma cutter, just to cut out giant ch- uh, chunks of steel or whatever. And he got them to donate it, and we had to figure out a way to put it in there. But he did it. He didn't talk about it. He didn't sit there and bore everybody with, wouldn't it be great to do this? He went ahead. He found it. He uh, contacted a couple of members of the board say, is this cool? We're like, well, those are two are right. And he made it happen. So now we have a giant plasma cut, CNC plasma cutter that will cut out, you know, silly shapes of elk walking along the side of a hill to help giving you pieces of steel so you can, you know, build a beautiful bumper or work on a prototype that you're going to sell. That's really it. That's, that's, that's cool, you know. And so it's, <laughs> it's really a group of people that – so, you know, I kind of started out with comparing it to like a gym membership. And I guess that operationally, that's in some ways a good way to look at it. And for some people that use a space, I imagine it may be very much like that. I pay my 50 bucks a month. I can come down there and use the equipment. I might talk to the guy next to me on a machine the way I would on a running or jogging machine. But the the heart of it is a much more involved community organization going on and that actually sets the direction so i might see a very different uh some similarities because of the commonalities but a very different culture in one space versus another oh yeah the spaces uh, differ completely uh from one to another there's essentially two types of people there's the the person who's really involved who wants to do things who is all into it like example we have a couple of college students that uh, come to the space and they're there on all weird, bizarre hours and they get a lot of things done. They're working on personal projects. They're, you know, like for example, one of the guys, he's really into wood turning and making beautiful wood stuff. Well, he corresponded with another guy who actually happens to be a, you know, for hire instructor on wood turning and they rebuilt the wood lathe. That's, 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 I think the epitome of community organizing, forget the stuff that, you know, our commander-in-chief claims yeah. to do. <laughs> but no, 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 it, it's very much so the fact that he was able to find the person who had the higher level of training than him, and he was able to make it happen for the betterment of everybody else, not, and completely on his own, not motivated by, you know, the barrel of a gun, so to speak. Yeah, no one had to compel him to to help out there. It was important to him, but it was also important enough that, that it would be okay that others might benefit from his actions. Oh, absolutely. And that's the the great thing about spaces like this. Honestly, I've been to, I think, seven other hacker spaces around the world. You know, I, I spend a lot of time in Europe doing, you know, my job and things of that nature. But these places all seem to really work off of a very primal aspect of human community. I hate to sound too, you know, esoteric with it. It's not an HOA. 
is that's a good comparison. It's not people who are saying, I'm in charge, I'm doing this because I'm the person in charge. No, it's people doing stuff saying, hey, I want to accomplish this. And, oh, you know what? If I build this machine or refurbish this piece of donated equipment, it will better me and at the same time better everybody else. So, I mean, one of the things we, we discussed off air before we got started is you wanted to discuss some of the entrepreneurial spirit that's going on there. There's there's a lot of people that are, are using maker spaces to establish business. Some run them right out of there, but some use them kind of as incubators and get things up and running to where they can afford their own production facilities. Are there, are there some examples of folks you've been working with doing things like that? Yeah, no, that we have uh, right now, there's, I can think of two off the top of my head. One is uh, we had a gentleman who was actually competing in the DARPA UAV competition last year, uh, which is essentially, you know, he was competing against like, um, you know, was it Mumbai University, MIT, and all those other people for building uh, UAV drones that could autonomously go from one place to another to uh, you know, you know, go and rest and spy on troop movements and things of that nature. This gentleman built his stuff in his garage and over at our makerspace. Uh, nobody won that competition, but he got just as far as the, uh, the the brainchilds of MIT and the big universities. Highly funded people. And then the mo- the shining example we have right now is our member Eric Jennings. This guy is one of those people who's so smart you don't like talking to him, but he's a great guy, so you will. Um, he actually has run a recently um, what's called an Indiegogo, which is a lot like uh, Kickstarter, the one that everybody usually knows. Uh, he has raised $100,000 of capital for his own microprocessor, uh, which is like an Arduino. I don't know if some of your people are, are familiar with this. It's essentially take a computer and put it in something the size of a thumb drive and have it run the brains for whatever applications you want. Say you want to build a security system. Well, you can flash the memory on this thing, hook it up to various sensors and things of that nature, and you can do this. Uh, there's also, he can, I mean, it's, it's just one of the ways that the world is changing in regards to applications, and I'm not talking like the things you find on your iPhone, but applications to actually solving a problem or doing something that you need. Uh, you can run, you know, you can make a robot for your kids. You can make a pretty sign that does whatever. Uh, and Eric has done a lot of work over at Bridgewire, too. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. And um, I included a, a link to it because it's a good example of what these spaces can do. Um, it's it's called Pinocchio, and it is simply amazing what they, what, you know, the little crowdsource. I remember Eric bringing over the, uh, the, the, the prototype of this thing and then people throwing various ideas, and they were able to actually come up with these elaborate, beautiful solutions to these minor problems. And I think really that these places can, when I say these places, the, the hacker spaces, the maker spaces, things of that nature, can actually foster further in entrepreneurial aspects of, of, of production. Yeah, I'm looking at this Pinocchio thing, and I mean, I actually think that part of my issue is it's a, a bit beyond my uh, my 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 technical capabilities. What this thing will do, um, but it seems like it's basically a component to build networks and run applications across networks. Is that right? Essentially, basically, you think about a PC shrunk down. 
to the size of a thumb drive. That's all it is. And oh, wow. you, can, you can program it to do whatever. For, here's one of the funny things. I was talking to Eric a year ago. One of the genesis for this concept was to come up with a sustainable system, a system that would work to make his yard sustainable. Hook moisture sensors up to his garden beds to be able to water the garden beds when they were, you know, dry, uh, to be able to open the chicken coop for whenever his chickens needed to be let out in the morning. You hit a servo to go ahead and do this. That's where one of the genesis of the system came from. It's not the only inspiration there was, but it is essentially, and the thing is, there's a whole community around these things that allows you to automate your life in an autonomous way, away from pain, mass. I worked in the, I've worked in the security field for years. You know, for example, if I want to make a security system, I have to pay a monthly charge to a, to, to a manufacturer to be able to utilize their system. These are all open source and you can do with it what you want. Yes, it is fairly techy, but the thing is they're making it even less techier for, and by the day. This is the equivalent, the hardware equivalent of blogging was 10 years ago. That, that That's just absolutely awesome. I still don't completely get it, but I, I guess really the way to look at it is it's basically a computer that can act as a controller and has enough intelligence to be able to be programmed to do certain things. Uh, anything from turn something on or off to maybe relay communications to another component in a network. Yeah, that's essentially it. But the thing is, it's not just the hardware. It's the idea behind the hardware. This is open source. This is somebody with an idea who says, okay, there's a company out there who does something. I can do it better, and I can leave it open to everybody else. And therein lies the empowering aspect. And I think that really ties into the aspect of the, the concept of the makerspace. Education, education to forward the individual, the thought process. Because the thing is, like, I'll tell you a little bit. You know, you're a home brewer. You understand how the moment when people realize I can make a good beer, just as good with a little bit of knowledge as you know something I pay twelve dollars a four pack for. There's that little light that goes on in people. It's almost a subversive thing. It's a, it's a liberty engrossing aspect, a concept that comes to people. I've seen this too. I mean, one of the things I teach lock picking, um, in the, in the, in the space and also in uh, the public. For example, the University of Nevada Reno Engineering Library invites us every semester to come and teach lock picking to the students. Not, not because it's one of those things that you can get the students to go ahead and you know, oh, I'm breaking the lock. But you go ahead and you get them into that little bit of a verboten thought process, something that used to be called free thought, but now it's so blocked in by what we're told we can do, what we can't do. And you see this little light come on in those little college students' faces where all of a sudden they're like, holy hell, I can think about this outside of the box truly. I can create, I can solve problems in a different way. Absolutely, and I, I think it starts to open up a lot of things. So you were talking about this uh, Pinocchio, and you mentioned that um, the guy that did this used Indiegogo, which I, from what I understand is a lot like um, Kickstarter. You know, we know we've had quite a few members of the TSP audience get stuff off the ground with Kickstarter. As you look at that freedom of thought and opening of new ideas and kind of the incubator effect of getting good minds together, 
and funding sources like this that allow private citizens to go, you know what, that's that's something I believe in. That's something I I want to buy eventually. I want to be able to get that. I'm willing to invest in this company, not in the typical shareholder model where I'm looking for a specific dividend, but maybe in a much smaller investment than you would typically buy in a stock. But I want to help this along. When I see things like makerspaces, hackerspaces, and those funding things, I see it as fundamentally changing the landscape of business, specifically small to mid-sized business in America. Oh, yeah. No, it is an evolution of the way business is working. We're so held down by massive restrictions, not only, you know, codified restrictions where, say, I had to go get a business license to manufacture PCBs to go ahead and do something, you know, to build a board. No, no, it's also a, a, a... the thought process, you no longer need IBM's entire army of the guys with the pencil neck ties to go ahead and come up with a concept, submit it, and after a board of people who think they can make $10 off of it, per, you know, that'll raise the, the cost of the share up, you know, one-tenth of one percent. You know, people that go at, can see value in something they're building, and they can sell it, even if it's smaller to market to the world at large. It seems universal, too, that, like, we're talking about something highly technical with this one product, but I've seen products being made for enthusiasts in the gun industry at Maker Workshop, certain sites that that people wanted to adapt to, let's say, an SKS that weren't available, and no manufacturer really wanted to take the risk and do it, but one person would do it. And it's sort of decentralizing business, and it's also removing the gatekeepers uh, at, at every level, from the top to the bottom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it is exactly that. It is an evolution of the process. You, as to, to quit the terrible line from you know, Jurassic Park, nature finds a way. The human mind, the human experience, will find a way to go around these walls that have been built up by our governments, by by corporations, by special interests, and things of that nature, so they can actually create things. I, I totally believe that hacker spaces, maker spaces, co-working spaces are the exact same thing. What they do is they allow people to say, I can't afford a lathe. I need to turn, you know, a piece of aluminum to whatever ID, whatever OD with a certain thread pitch, but I don't have $1,000 to go ahead and drop into this to buy a cheap Chinese lathe. I can go ahead and spend $50 uh, a month learning the process, the procedures, how to do this, and at the same time come up with my prototype and also come away with the knowledge, which we all know is the most important and the most important aspect and the most powerful aspect of it. On that same tune, you can also have a situation where a person says, I know what I want to make. I know most of the parts of it that I need to make, and I I know what I think I needed to do, but I really don't know how to get it from the concept in my head to a finished product. And with some voluntarism and some good community interaction, they can gain access to people that can help them complete that thought process and actually figure out, you know, you're talking about the OD of the piece of metal that needs to be turned on late. person may not even know that's the part they need to fabricate, but they have access to others who will help them figure that out. Oh, absolutely. And, and that also ties into the, one of the big concepts of these hacker spaces, maker spaces. The, uh, okay, 
for I'll just give you a couple of examples that where we work with community. We sponsor outside people to come in and work on this, uh, work in our, our shop and our space, our tooling. And an example is we have the first robotics team of Virginia City. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Virginia City. Um, their robotics team has they're they're up in the mountains, hidden away from everybody. They don't have shops, they don't have industry, so they come down to our place and they have full access to all the equipment. These kids, these high school kids, who are actually doing something physical with you know, materials and stuff, they're learning servos, we give them access to it. We have, we, we sponsor the Electric Car Association of Northern Nevada, these people who are trying to figure out the DIY solutions to you know, electric cars. We also have, I mean, we, we embrace the uh, the local homebrewers club. They come in, they use our space, you know, when it's cold outside and they, you know, brew up, you know, 100 gallons of homebrew. Uh, we even have, like, crafting groups that come in and, and, and you know, utilize our space for meeting space and, and some of our equipment for, you know, you know, ladies making dresses or whatever. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. We've also sponsored, you know, artists that come through occasionally to do, like, Bernie Man-centric builds and things of that nature. So it's yeah, it, it, it's a full circle type of evolution to really perpetuate not only entrepreneurialism and capital, but getting things done that they want to accomplish, both be it, you know, education, commerce, and things just for the hell of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I guess that that eclectic mix comes up with some some solutions that uh, normally you you wouldn't find if it was being worked on by just one or two people. Oh, absolutely. No, that's that 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 is the power. The, the tooling, the equipment, everything is is one thing that's great, and it really helps you solve problems. But the fellow people, the community that you can build. Is is amazing, and we have room for those people that want to come in at four o'clock in the morning. Who don't want to see anybody else? Who just want to work on? Who just want to go ahead and weld up their table or whatever the hell it is? But they also, we also have the room for the people, and this is the majority of the people who want to be involved, who want to learn, who want to propagate honestly for the better, build community. So I, I just check to see what's available in my area, and there is a Dallas makerspace that's over 40 miles away. That's about the closest one that's active. There's like a Fort Worth makerspace, um, which is much closer to me, but they don't actually have a facility. It's just a group of people socializing and working toward getting uh, an actual space started up. So I'm sure there's people that would want to start one up because there's not one near them. There's people that are trying to get one. Do you have any tips, like to like to, to get through like a lot the minefields initially and actually get from an idea to an actual space that you can start? Because I'm sure once you get your space established, growing the equipment list, growing the the whole thing gets a lot easier. Well, it's funny. You're in northern Texas. There actually is a makerspace in of all places, Texarkana. It's called the Texarkana Institute of Technology. These are, I believe, there's six members who have rented a pole barn that they put some sides on, and they're they're paying nothing for two acres of land. And any Texas-centric uh, listener will understand exactly what I'm talking about. And they're able to just 
build stuff, get equipment, things of that nature. The, there, there's no excuse for if you have more than three people who want to do this, you can actually accomplish it. There is a makerspace, actually referred to as a hackerspace, in the middle of San Francisco off of Market Street where the rent is like $5,000 a month. They go ahead and they have it working as a donation place, a youth hangout, different groups come and meet there, and they exist even in a place that's so expensive as San Francisco. It's just a matter of reaching out to other people. This is not the introvert's game to start one of these things. You need to go ahead and reach out to other people to embrace the concept of, hey, people aren't scary. <laughs> Have fun with it. Do something. Accomplish something. And you will be surprised at what you can accomplish. I, I think there's probably a lot of opportunity to to get support from local businesses, too, because if you kind of make yourself well-known in the community with smaller businesses, that's one a source of, of members and revenue because there's a lot of businesses out there that might need to do a little bit of fabrication or cutting or something, but they don't need to do it enough to justify the equipment. But there's also a lot of businesses that would like access to people like this for projects, for uh, creative thinking, for uh, just to be involved. And there's some philanthropy out there. And if you merge those together in the local business community, there's probably quite a bit of funding available or materials available. I'm sure some businesses say, look, I ain't going to give you no money, but I got this old lathe. It works all <laughs> right. You know, I, I'll sell it to you for a dollar so I can depreciate it, get it off my books. That's pretty much what it is. We were able to get a beautiful um, wood saw cutting vertical setup that was essentially get it out of our warehouse. Just, just, and also here's a 55 gallon drum full of glycerin. Like, what the hell are we going to do with that? But it, it, there is a lot of business. And the thing is, the only, the only major component required is having a few people who are willing to actually talk to somebody else to build that community, to go out there and say, Hey, look, um, hey, this is what we do. This is who we are. Can you offer anything to us? Because we can offer this to you. And if nothing else works, if you have some employees who need training on cert certain things and you don't have the background or the resources to it, we can help them learn this. And you, you would be surprised at what the community offers. And during our, open, our opening phase, we had a giant warehouse full of like two tools. People were giving us things that were just incredible, like cutoff saws, you know, wood lathes, drill presses, you know, uh, wood saws, things of that nature. They're just like, wow, that just saved us $6,000. You throw it out there to the community and things are able to, the solutions present themselves. Your, your, your excuses don't really hold water. That's simply the way it is. What did you call it? A duocracy? The duocracy. Those that do. Not a, not, so people right. get here right. Not a dualocracy. That's actually a real thing. A duocracy. Yeah, the duocracy. Because the people who actually do things and accomplish things are the ones who are right. You always err on that side. I mean, there in the hackerspace community, there's the argument of the big shit. Oh, we can have meetings. Somebody wants to paint the bike shed red, black, whatever. You'll spend four months, but the person who goes out there and finds the paint from Home Depot that they're throwing away, who paints it white, yeah. you know what? He's right because he did it. 
guess guess what? Now it's white. Y'all can talk about it, but we have a white one until you figure out what you want to do and go do it. It's <laughs> it's not. I mean, there's a lot of thinking that goes on, but it's not called thinker space. It's not called talker space. It's called maker space. And making is a doing word. It's an action word. It's it's a word oriented around accomplishment. Absolutely. Yes. That that's that's the whole thing. And but the thing is, I mean, as much as you want to. You can't alienate those people who think, who talk, but there's room for everybody. Right now, I think our, our membership roles were hanging at right around 40, I think we're at around 43 people. And we have family memberships, student memberships, you know, regular memberships of that nature. But you know what? We're still open. We're covering our bills. We're building up our, our, um, our bank account for future tooling and things of that nature because we provide value and the value is recognized by the market. And I would think about the only thing slowing down the growth of any of these spaces is awareness. Um, You know, I kind of pride myself on being aware of community, uh, being aware of action oriented things, being highly aware of entrepreneurial stuff and when I discovered Makerspace, I went like, oh, that product came from Makerspace. That thing I saw in Engadget came from Makerspace. That, 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 that idea over there came out of a hackerspace. And, but I had no idea until one of our listeners reached out and told me about this. So I think like one of the, the biggest challenges is getting, for lack of a better word, a really good marketing plan around your space. Because I guarantee you there's people down the road that don't know that if they did, they would be there tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, simply because we are a non-for-profit and we honestly pinch every penny as far as it goes to perpetuate the space, we rely on the aspect of word of mouth, really. That, that's cool. I, I think that, though, like as I look around the, the, the one trying to form here in Fort Worth and the one in Dallas – and I look at it and I go, there's some stuff I kind of want to build and some ideas I kind of have. But I, I actually look at it from a philanthropic thing that I could probably do more to help these people by helping them get the word out about what they're doing and attracting people to either donate or participate than by giving them a, a just writing them a check for you know 500 bucks as a philanthropic uh, type of thing. Because that's that's really what it's about is making that community. It's a it's a type of community that the larger it gets, the stronger it becomes. The one, that's a, that's a gr- that's a great example because uh, the the reality is we have some people who come in who want to do one project, two projects. They come in, they use their tools, they're gone. Yeah, we feel kind of dirty at the end, but at the same time, they might tell somebody else, "Hey, there's this great place where I." went ahead and I was able to have access to, you know, a milling machine. Uh, an example of this. A couple of months ago, I, um, I, I helped this, this crazy scientist, Doc Brown inventor guy who had magnets that could move aluminum. You know, he, he, it was just an absolute nut job. And I say that in the nicest possible way. He went ahead and he called, he got, he sent me an email. He's like, oh, I need help with this. I need to drill these five holes and mill these three things. Okay, great. I go down to Makerspace and I help him out with that. And you know, he threw forty bucks into the uh, into the, the donation box. Seven people showed up because of things he said. 
I don't know if that's it. it I, I can't think of a better example of what community word of mouth will do. Granted, I would love to run a, be able to run a great marketing campaign at the same time, but I don't have the money for it. And the value that we offer is immense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people are trying, you know, want to find uh, uh, something like this in their area, see if there's something already going on. What's the best way they can do that? Hackerspaces.org is probably the best resource there is right now. With the caveat of don't rely on what there is out there now. Rely on what you and even one or two of your friends can do. You know a certain amount of people. Your friend knows a certain amount of people. You know, that's, that, that can grow. Ask questions. Get a book out of the shit that seem to exist in the modern world. You know, do your Facebook posts on it. Say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, a space. It, you can rent a, even in the, the busiest area and the most expensive area, you can rent a, you know, 20 by 20 space for a couple hundred bucks. What you would pay on, a percentage of what you would pay on a tool, you can start a space. There's no excuse to not do this unless you don't want to get tied into, you know, uh, things such as liability and, and things of that nature. But if, if you want to go ahead and do this, it, there, there's really no excuse not to. This is the future of education. We, we are able to educate so many people. You know, like uh, you talk about, I remember we had, you had a guest who was talking about doing videos in the local community center about permaculture or, you know, gardening and things of that nature. This is the same thing. It's a small financial investment that all you need to do is make it and see where it'll grow. But you have to put a little bit of work behind it. And how much does work cost, really? Nothing but your time and maybe a few pounds you could stand to lose. Um, <laughs> and the only reason I would say not to do this is, I mean, let, let's say I, I, I did a search for Makerspace Fort Worth, and I found one up near Eagle Mountain Lake, kind of where I'm located now, and it was 10 miles down the road. If that were the case, if there was one here, I would rather lend my enthusiasm and effort to growing a community that's already started than for lack of a better term, competing with it. If it's 40 miles away, I mean, there's a need, but if there's one, you know, 10, 5, 10 miles away from you, I think you probably, unless there's just like, you go down there and go, okay, well, they're doing it all wrong. Well, the, you know, my statement to anybody that says that is, really, go show me how to do it then. But but if it's there <laughs> and if it fits with what you're doing, I think it makes sense to, to grab onto what's already there, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, you, you can go ahead and, and there are certain – you just have to remember these, these things come out of communities that exist as it is. There are very electronic, computer-oriented communities um, in hackerspaces, and then there are physical hackerspaces too. I am blessed with a hackerspace that embraces both of them. We have the programmer, the developer community, and we also have the, uh, you know, the hardware, the, the guy who's making you know, bookshelves also too. Because there was a there was a void in the community. The only thing that was even relatively close we had was the Inventors Association, and they had they just have a place to meet every you know Thursday night or whatever. And even they have, have reached out to us saying, "Hey, we really want to be part of what you're doing." We just um, were awarded by the um, 
one of the local um, entrepreneurial organizations with an award for the most innovative startup um, harboring uh, concept in northern Nevada. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that you can only accomplish what you're willing to accomplish. It does take a few people with a little bit of chutzpah, for lack of a better term, to, to actually do things of this nature. I mean, these spaces grow once you build them. And if it folds, so be it. Yep. Very cool. Um, kind of on a, on a last note, are there any other like projects you've either worked on personally or anything that you've seen coming out that you think is kind of cool or exciting? Oh God, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. And we have so example, we just had um, one of the, uh, one of our members over an eight month process between work and everything else. He has built his own, three-axis CNC mill, okay? This is not a, a plasma cutter or anything. It's where he's actually using a tool that's turning his cutting. I mean, it is simply amazing. He's taken I-beams, you know, $400 worth of I-beams, some leftover pieces here and there, and he has built a mill that will mill out, you know, whatever shape you want in wood, aluminum, steel, things of that nature. You can also hook a plasma cutter to it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's only... We have so many things that they're just incubators. They're absolute incubators for 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 ideas. And um, once again, the we, I, I can rattle off a couple of ideas like our our interest nights. Every one of the interest nights have people who are who are just doing things. Like we have a ham radio interest night. We have uh, what they call malware Mondays, where it's like how to actually protect your computer systems. We have homebrew nights, lock sport nights. We have a gun night. Um, we have an Air Force night where these guys are building UAVs um, to, you know, you can set it to go ahead, fly around your neighborhood, you know, do surveillance, whatever. But I see in every one of these groups, there's somebody who's going, you know what, I could do something further with this. And it's absolutely amazing. The, 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 the mindset that perpetuates once these people kind of get the idea that, holy hell, we can do something with this knowledge, not just, oh, I know it, and I just kind of sit around with it. it, it there's, there's so many things. And multiply this by the number of hackerspaces and makerspaces that exist in this country. Now, hell, it, that exists in the world. This is the new face of education, I really do believe. I do think it's a new face of education, and I think that the – when we look at business in America, and I'm not talking about the entrepreneurial spirit of, of people that are going to love this, but I'm talking about big business mired in gatekeepers in America, that system's broken. It, it prevents innovation. We can bitch about the government all we want, but it, as much as the government's doing it, the, the corporatocracy, as I call it, is doing it. Yeah. When we look at the education system, we're in the exact same problem. We have administrators telling teachers what to teach and how to teach it and not freeing teachers to be more creative in dealing with their classes, having to teach, I hate to say this, but the dumb kids the same way they teach the smart kids, um, unless the smart kid's so smart they can go to gifted, right? But I mean, there's a gradient of ability, intelligence, and frankly, interest among students. It's, a lot of times the dumb kid's not dumb. Give them something they're interested in and they're a freaking genius. This is kind of a solution to both problems. Decentralize, reestablish, and let the, I, I call it a democratic process, but I don't think that's really the right word for it. It's more 
and when I use this word, people always confuse it with the Republican Party, a Republican uh, process. It's it's each member contributing as they choose and inter interacting as they choose, coming to the greatest possible solution. Oh, absolutely. No, the, um, the, the, the fact is, if you choose to be involved with an organization like this, you can put as much or as little as you want into it. And I don't think anything embraces the concept of the republic as much as that. I completely agree. Well, you got to. Can people find out more about your particular uh, shop if they're in your area? Yeah, no. I, I went ahead and I included a, a link to uh, Bridgewire.org, which is uh, it's very basic, it's very simple. It has our hours for open space night and our details for you know membership, uh, which is real simple. We spend more time making than maintaining a website. And also, I went ahead and I included just uh, the shining example of the Pinocchio. I mean, it is it, for a techie person, you can realize how powerful this concept is. And I would uh, really, you know, uh, plead to the community to take a look at it and see what these spaces can do. I mean, I'm not saying that this is the only thing that comes out of it. And we have people who have built, you know, rear ends for their 64 Nova there. But there's, I mean, just the, the, the fact that the open thoughts of the community that that can solve problems, we can, I mean, it, it, we have to evolve. And honestly, we are evolving through these spaces to a new place in education and community that I think will truly empower us in the future. And the reality is we need to evolve a little bit. You know, one thing I have to say before we, we completely wrap up here is it just kind of occurred to me now that this is a tremendous opportunity for people to establish connections, businesses, and commerce utilizing barter or, let's say, alternative currencies as well. Because <laughs> if I know how to weld and you know how to laser, you run the laser cutter, uh, we have a natural ability to work together uh, in, in many different ways that I can see that actually going down, whether it's collaboration on a product that ends up to the formation of a partnership, or whether it's simply, hey, dude, come weld this for me, and I'll show you how that, that laser cutter works, because pretty much, once you know how the laser cutter works, you know how the laser cutter works. You don't really have to gain a skill at that, but uh, but but that type of interaction seems like a tremendous opportunity um, to, to, to not only evolve business through removing gatekeepers, but at certain levels of business, it doesn't necessarily have to be a cash for service or cash for product transaction. It needs to be value for value, and that seems like the perfect place for it. Well, value for value is what our entire monetary system is based off of, and I can't. I can think of at least, oh God, probably no less than twenty examples that I've been privy to of, hey, do this for me, I'll do this for you, and these are not like, hey, you know. Help, help me change a light bulb. No, we're talking about significant things that have high monetary value. And you're absolutely right. They're, it's a fostering of ideas and a fostering of, of value for you know the fellow member. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, Jim, man, thank you for uh, being with us here today. No, no problem. And folks, I'll uh, include links if you weren't writing them down to all of the stuff that Jim talked about, their Facebook page, their website, uh, information on the uh, the Pinocchio and some of you guys that are more technical than me are going to look at this thing and go, wow, I can't believe what I can do with that. Um, and uh, again, Jim, dude, uh, I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, I think what you're doing is extremely important. I think that 
America has yet to realize how important movements like this are. I think that it's the dawn of an awakening to uh, a new paradigm in education, in business production, in entrepreneurship, in cooperation, because it, it's, you know, so the, and, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but there's a lot of the values that people attempt to expo espouse through socialism that are here with, instead of socialism, real value, fair exchange, voluntarist, uh, and, and, and true pure capitalism all merged together. So it, it's that value that they use to soft sell you on something that doesn't work with the system that actually makes it work. So that work, in doing that and exposing America to that at this time in our history where we're so in danger of careening off of the, of the road down the cliff of oblivion is integral because I think we're going over the cliff. It's just going to be a matter of how many people are going to be able to hang on and let the rest fall off and then fix things. Um, so I appreciate the work you're doing, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it's exactly what you say. It's not value in helping your community because you have a gun at your back because somebody tells you you have to. It is value because you value your community. Everyone has something to share. And if you choose to share it, and you, you empower other people. There is no downside to that. Absolutely. And hey, Jim, again, thanks for being here today. And folks, with that, this has been Jack Spearco today along with Jim Navarro, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget are what we eat I don't know the answer It's like there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay I guess when we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way
revolution is you.